title of the message this morning is Trusting God for the Right Words. Trusting God for the right words at the right time. Hey, have you ever said the wrong thing? Men, if you're married, you, you know you've said the wrong thing before, right? And not realized you did it? Yeah. Well, today we're going to be talking about trusting God for the right words at the right time. But our following story is about someone who didn't have the right words at a particular time. This is actually a true story, but the names have been changed to protect the innocent. (laughs) A woman named Wanda was at Publix and a cashier uh, was having a hard time trying to open one of the plastic bags. And she made a groan. And Wanda meant to say, yeah, those bags can be very tricky. But all that came out was, this is bag. And the cashier responded, yes, it is a bag. Some of y'all found that funny. Today we're back in the book of John. We're back in the gospel of John, and it was written between 90 A.D. and 100 A.D. Scholars also believe that John wrote uh, the epistles in the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote this gospel. The gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and those three, what we call the synoptic gospels, were written and being circulated amongst the churches at this time. John has been dubbed by most scholars as the spiritual gospel. In it, we find profound truths and deep meanings. He sticks to the behind-the-scenes spiritual truths of who Jesus is and what he is about. And we're continuing this sermon starting at verse 19, John chapter 1, verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but but stands among you who you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come before you and as we look around at the seats around us, Lord, where there's an empty spot next to us, we ask that you would fill it. 
Lord, we know that you are calling forth those that are supposed to be in this building, and we thank you for that. Lord, we know that you are calling forth those that are the workers in the ministry, and we thank you for that, God. And we ask that you would call them forth from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that they would fulfill your calling, that they would fulfill your commission, the Great Commission. Help us, Lord, to share the gospel wherever we go. And help us, Lord, to see salvations, that they may come to you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. We, we lift up this word, and we ask that you would touch us with it and motivate us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Today's life principle. If you know your position in Christ, then you can trust God for the right words at the right time. If you know your position in Christ, then you can trust God for the right words at the right time. Number one, trust God for the right words at the right time. We're going to go back to verse 19, and we'll not belabor this too long. And it reads, this was, I'm reading out the New Living Translation this time, and it reads, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John, who are you? And he came right out and said, I am not the Messiah. Well, then who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet we are expecting? No. Then who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you have to say about yourself? And John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. And then the Pharisees who had been sent asked him, if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? And John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. And this encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. Now we talked a little bit about John the Baptist last week, but we're going to pick it up again here since this is what the focus is. And, it's, and here we find that John, the baptizer, has become such a big deal in Israel that they finally sent out leaders of the Pharisees and helpers with them. And the Pharisees were a large religious sect who believed in the resurrection of the dead. Now, they're different than the Sadducees, and there were fewer Sadducees, and they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's what marks them. Thank you for that, that laughter. I appreciate that. They were sad, you see. Anyway, um, they'd send a number of people to ask him some pointed questions. And we saw these pointed questions. There had been plenty of people in the past who claimed to be the Messiah, believe it or not. They'd come forward and said, I'm the Messiah. And they would draw away followers and they would always declare themselves the Savior of Israel, even though they weren't. But John, knowing this trend, he doesn't do this. He comes right out and says to them, I am not the Messiah. Well, that's not what they were expecting. So they probe him a little further. And they asked if he was Elijah, because there was a teaching at the time that before the Savior comes, Elijah must come back first. But John tells them, no, no. And I believe the Pharisees had mixed up their prophecies. You see... We know today that in the end times, there will be two witnesses, two prophets, 
who will proclaim God's kingdom during the tribulation period. And they'll be able to call down fire upon the unrighteous. And one of those prophets, it says, will be Elijah. Not only because of the prophecies in the Old Testament, but because he was one of the two people in the Old Testament that didn't die. You see, the scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And the only people who get to get out of that are those that are here for the rapture. But you see, Elijah was taken up in a chariot of fire and he didn't die. And then they ask if he is the prophet. Well, what is the prophet? Well, this refers to a prophecy that was given by Moses that a prophet would rise among the people of Israel. And that's found in Deuteronomy 18.15, which reads, Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, or see this blazing fire, for we will die. And then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. But John's answer is again that he is not this prophet. Now at this, they're probably breathing a sigh of relief, thinking that John's not as big of a problem as they thought that he might be. So they ask him pointedly, they say, well, who are you? And so he responds by quoting the scripture. Isn't that smart? He quotes the scripture. Isaiah 40, verse 3, he says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And Malachi 3, 1 says, Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now they get a bit indignant with him. And they ask, well then, by what authority do you baptize? Interesting, isn't it? First they come to him and they ask him, are you one of these people? And then he says no, which they probably felt a sigh of relief. And then they go, well then why are you baptizing? Wow, he can't win for losing with these people. So instead of answering like any one of us would answer, he kind of answers like King Solomon would answer, with wisdom and power. He said, you see, John baptized with water as a sign pointing forward to whose ministry was to come. It pointed toward the Messiah, toward the Christ, toward the Savior who is Jesus. What the crowd and the Pharisees didn't know was that Jesus was already in the crowd. He was already looking at them. And John tells them, there's another in the crowd that he isn't even worthy to untie his sandal straps. Now in that time, that, that's pretty unworthy. You see, they wore sandals in the dirt, the desert, the muck, the mire. And so people's feet, you, you would know, got pretty dirty, wouldn't they? And when one would come into your home, you would offer to take their sandals off and wash their feet as a sign of respect. You did this for anybody who was a teacher known as a rabbi, who was of importance. Yet John finds himself even too worthy, unworthy, to do that dirty job. You ever watch that show with Mike Rowe, Dirty Jobs? You ever seen that? I love that show. But he finds himself too unworthy to even do that dirty job. 
So what can we take away from this encounter? Well, we have John, the Pharisees, and the crowd. There are three positions there. The first thing we can apply here for the Christian is that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you can rely on him with answers about your faith and what you have studied in God's word. When people try to trap you in words or when they are sincerely asking about your faith, you can rely on the Holy Spirit to bring God's word to your remembrance. We are promised that. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Matthew 10.16 says, Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips and synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Speaking through you. I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to someone who tries to trap me in something, but, but because I've read the Word of God, I've studied the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit brings the right words at the right time for that particular situation. And there are times when the conversation is over, that I have been known to just stop and, and thank God for the words because that seemed to come out of nowhere. <laughs> Lord, you make me smart, make me sound smarter than I really am. He really does. Whether it was a scripture that I hadn't remembered in years or just the right words for the conversation, God made it happen in spite of myself. Let me tell you a little story about a pastor who's in Lake County, so I'm not going to give you his name, but I was talking to him and he told me when he was young in Christ that he had studied the old evangelism explosion material. Do you remember that? That was a big thing for a long time in the Southern Baptist Convention. Evangelism explosion. And he was studying that, and he was studying the, the, the method of witnessing, and on the final day, he had to go out and put into practice what he'd learned with his mentor. And so he goes to the first house on the block, and he says to himself, you know what, I got this. Come to find out he didn't have it. He messed up everything, every verse, every talking point, made a huge mess out of it all. His mentor uh, that was with him looked stunned, and when he was done, he asked the lady if she wanted to give her life to Christ, and the mentor's eyes got real big, like, yeah, right. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit knew exactly what she needed because she gave her life to Christ right then and there on that doorstep. Man's methods may tell you to to do something one way, but God knows what people need when they need it. So rely on Holy Spirit to guide you. And number two, know your position in Christ. Know your position in Christ. John one twenty nine. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. 
I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one on who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. This is the following day. The Pharisees are gone. The following day, John comes out and again is doing his baptizing. Only on this day, something a little different happens. This day, the Messiah is revealed to him so that he can reveal him to the crowd. Notice John didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah until the sign that God had given John came to pass. Well, what was this sign? Verse 32, then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one on whom will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. Some things to note here. Number one, it does not say that the Holy Spirit is a dove or the form of a dove. Just that the Holy Spirit came upon him gently like a dove. Number two, whatever this looked like to John, only he saw it. Not the crowd, otherwise he would not have to declare Jesus as the Messiah, because everyone would have known it. Number three, Jesus will baptize and still baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now the word baptize in the Greek is baptizo, and it literally means to be totally immersed under something, under water. To be completely submerged. That's why we're called Baptists, because we completely submerge in baptism. Those of you that don't know that. This miracle happens at salvation. Did you know that? The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation. It's not subsequent to salvation. It is not a second blessing. This happens at the moment of conversion. All of it, right there. Ephesians 1.13 says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Holy Spirit was with the Old Testament prophets back then, but he was not living in them. Whereas today the Holy Spirit lives in the believer. John 14.16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He was talking to his disciples there before the day of Pentecost. Now this has some implications for the believer. One problem we have today is that we don't know where we are positionally in Christ. The believer has more closeness with God and more power in them than any of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Did you know that? Matthew eleven eleven says, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived. None is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. It is because of our sin being dealt with that we are allowed to have such a close relationship with God the Holy Spirit. 
It is because of the sacrifice on the cross that there is peace between man and God. It is because of this peace and the cleansing from sin, positionally speaking, that we have the Holy Spirit in us. A major misconception about the Holy Spirit is that He's some kind of mythical force without without a will of His own. That He's not a person, but a power. Folks, this isn't Star Wars, and the Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a He and is the third person in the Trinity. You can speak directly to Him if you wish to. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that He prays for us. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit prays for us. Romans 8.26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows that the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Speaking of prayer, have you ever been led by the Holy Spirit in prayer? Have you ever thought about it? You start out praying one way, and then all of a sudden, you're praying for something or someone you weren't even thinking about. It just happens. That's reliance on the Holy Spirit in prayer. A lot of times you'll pray and a peace will come over you. That peace is given by the Holy Spirit. If you remember nothing, remember this today. If you know your position in Christ, then you can trust God for the right words at the right time. Now, that doesn't mean you're always going to say the right thing at the right time. I can testify to that. But if you know your position in Christ when it's needed, when you're speaking to others, when people are trying to trap you, just send up a little prayer. Lord, help me. And he will. You can trust him for the right words at the right time. And John the Baptist had the right words at the right time. How about you today? A lot of people who are unsaved have no idea what I'm talking about. As the ladies come. A lot of people have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about having the right words at the right time. Mostly because they're not Jesus's. Are you sure that you're sure? That if you were to die right now, and it can happen, that you would wake up in heaven. Because one way or another, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. Either heaven or hell, that choice is yours. Where are you going to spend it? You see, we're already, when we're born, on our way to hell because we're born in sin. But Jesus, you see, he died on a cross. He lived a perfect life. When he was 30 years old, he declared himself God the Son. Made himself equal with God. And he did signs and wonders and miracles to prove it as such. And on the third day after he was crucified, he rose again from the grave, declaring victory over death, hell, and that grave. And that's what baptism is, by the way. It's a sign of death, burial, and resurrection to new life. 
Makes it a lot easier to baptize in water than literally burying you in dirt, doesn't it? That's what that means. You're identifying with Christ. And it's for the new believer. Can you be a new believer? Sure you can. All you've got to say is, Jesus, help me. Or you could say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. Come into my heart. Be my master. And be my Lord. It's not what you speak, but the intent of your heart. Where are you today? Are you ready for that? Number two, Christian, when's the last time that you have relied on the Holy Spirit to lead you in a difficult situation? When there were words that needed to be spoken and you just didn't have them. Rather than a knee-jerk reaction, when was the last time you threw up a small prayer in your mind you said, Jesus, help me. Help me in this. Help me, Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to rely more on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need to ask Him to help you remember to do that. This is real world talk this morning. Real world application. Maybe that's you. Maybe, Christian, it's been a while since you've prayed. I mean, really prayed. Maybe you need prayer. Well, I'll be up here for that. Bible says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. If one or more agree touching anything, it shall be given unto them. There's power in more than one person praying about a situation. If you need special prayer, I'm up here for that. If you want to come to know Jesus, well, I'm up here for that. I can introduce you to him. I can't save you, but I can introduce you to him. If you want to join this church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. Come up during this time. Miss Joe.